morning. I'm happy to be here. I am Laura Ellsworth, and I welcome you to the Prairie Doc radio program. I'm filling in today for Joan Hogan, and I help with fundraising efforts for the Healing Words Foundation, which is the nonprofit organization that supports this radio program, on-call television on South Dakota Public Broadcasting, and other efforts to provide honest, science-based medical information. Yes. So we're going to spend some time today talking about women's health issues. Um, if there's a topic or a question you would like to have us discuss, give us a call at 692-1430. And with me today is our Prairie Doc, Dr. Rick Holm. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine, and he has worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm. Good morning, Laura. Thank you for uh, filling in. And you'll, you'll be filling in for next week, too. Yeah, I'll be filling in for a few weeks. A few weeks yeah, later. Yes. So we thank you for your uh, attention to this. I think uh, the, you have to know this was the very beginning of all of this uh, media effort that we've been doing on the public health. And it was learning through KBRK's support uh, how uh, sharing honest, scientific-based, evidence-based information uh, can be helpful to people. And it's interesting to people. And, you know, and if you do one-on-one -on -one in your office, that's one thing. But if you get on the air, there's more than one person listening and you can share that information when um is you know and it's really the best science that we have or at least that i have mm -hmm. uh and uh, i know that i'm not perfect uh, but uh we try to share the best information that we can right yeah yeah it's been we all learn a lot we appreciate yes. hearing what's what you have to say and the other guests of the show have to have to say and the topic is gyn which is uh this week uh and, and um tomorrow night we have uh uh two OBGYNs, one from watertown and one from brookings mm -hmm. and uh ellen hopper from watertown who used to be uh from brookings and larissa bennis you know, good friends with Alan and good friends with mine and me as well. I mean, we're here. It's three friends yes. together tomorrow night. <clears throat> and then they will lead the discussion tomorrow night. It will be great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the show tomorrow on anything people want to ask about OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we um, we have a number of questions, actually, that we've already received regarding okay. women's health, so we're looking forward to discussing those. Um, but I think we'll take our first break and give you an opportunity to give us a call if you would like to give us a question. So following these words from the Vera Medical Group Brookings, Dr. Holm and I will be happy to discuss medical issues of interest to you. Give us a call at 692-1430. <laughs> Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I am Laura Ellsworth, filling in today for Joan Hogan. And Dr. Holm is here with me, and we are going to be talking about women's health today. Um, Dr. Holm had an essay that you may have caught um, is in Monday's Brookings yes. Register. And if you don't get the register, I know it's in many newspapers throughout our state. 62, uh, essay, uh, 62 newspapers in the state, including... Argus's uh, Argus Leader's uh, online version. Yes. And yeah. also 11 newspapers from Kansas right yes. now. We're pushing outside their state, and so we've started Kansas, and we're going to see if we can get into other local 
states that are nearby. Yes. So if you haven't caught the essay yet in any of those places, um, you can also find it on our website, prairiedoc.org. But let's talk a little bit about that essay. You talk um, a little bit about the roles and responsibilities of women and um, how sometimes that can be overwhelming and the mental health of the mother and the woman in the house has an effect on everyone in the house right <laughs> right well and, and of course you know if the kids are down down or depressed or angry or the husband is down and depressed those matter too everybody mm-hmm. you know if somebody's unhappy everybody's unhappy mm-hmm. uh, so it'd be you know the mental health of a family yes spreads mm-hmm. and so it's good uh, to have everybody happy but you think about the burden of being a, a mom you know mom's responsibility seems and not fairly I'm not pro- promoting this, but she is the one. What even if she's the main breadwinner, mm-hmm. she's the one that does the most cooking, the most wash, the washing and cleaning and and uh, delivering kids and the burden usually on on uh, percentage wise higher in the women no matter what the the responsibilities she has on the workforce. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any help that the guy can do is a good thing mm-hmm. and because it will give the and they say the most burdensome of all of the work is doing dishes mm. so <laughs> do the dishes for her if she cooked we the way we do it in our house is uh, whoever cooked the other one has the major responsibility for cleanup but it's good that both try to get it done you mm-hmm. know uh, we haven't taught our children that yet quite they'll clean up a little we still have kids at home and they'll clean up a little but it's kind of half done you know it isn't it isn't you know that they'll learn they got to get on on their own and that's coming pretty soon I think but yeah sometimes it feels easier to just do it yourself and not take the time to teach (laughs) yeah it's so much easier just I'll do it (laughs) yes yes you know a a buzzword (laughs) that I've seen lately but maybe isn't new is the mental load that a woman might have um, dealing with um Whatever the roles and responsibilities are, it often seems like the the woman in the family is taking care of all the details of life, the lunch, what time, what, uh, for example, today is Read Across America Week, what special hats our children need to have at school today, like all these little details in life that you just are constantly thinking about. And I had a dear friend from college just post kind of a, on Facebook and kind of, hey, I'm overwhelmed with life. And she has a um, she has a wonderful job with a lot of responsibility. And she has two young children. And um, she was just saying, you know, this is all a lot for a mom. And somehow I'm still responsible for dinner 90% of the time. You know, like, it's just, it's, it can be a lot for women. So it's good for women to reach out for help when they need to. Um, well, you know, if you've, if, you, if you've got too much of a burden and you'd start to resent it, Mm-hmm. Then, then the hap- the happy family goes away. Mm-hmm. It's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, if you're a, uh, I'm speaking to guys now. I can, I can, because I'm a guy. I'm mm-hmm. not a girl. I, that Bob is amazed. <laughs> I know, but the point is, come on, you yes. know, think about it. Uh, do your part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, whether you are the breadwinner or not, mm-hmm. uh, help. Uh, and uh, and then let's do this as a group. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes uh, he- here's a, a comment: uh, doing the dishes alone is a burden. Doing the, gesh- the dishes or even cooking together is fun, mm-hmm. or can be fun, or it can bring you together. It can make the make the world better. 
So uh, I, I think if we took the mantle of responsibility more, men, uh, we would live in a happier home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember, we're part of a community, right? That's right. It's not right. all on us. There's others who can yeah. support us. Yes. And I, if you're a woman who's, who's burdened, uh, you got to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And you got to say, I'm not doing this every night. You're responsible for cooking on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to take me out for dinner on Fridays, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever there it might be. Go. Yes. I think there's a time when um, that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is caregiving. Mm-hmm. So there's four, four parents, right? Two parents of the guy, two parents of the gal. Who takes care of them when they're at the end of their lives? Sometimes, many times, it's the woman. Sure. And so uh, the burden of caregiving is another uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, um, we have a few questions here. Okay. Um, the first one is, what um, vitamins should women focus on in our post-baby years? Um, young women have a lot of um, reminders about which vitamins they should be taking as when they're maybe um, considering having a baby. But what about those post-baby years? Post-baby what are, years. What's recommended for vitamins? Yes. Well, here's my take on that. The vitamin salespeople, which are the same people as the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. you know, because they run together. They're, they're, you know, oftentimes it's the same company. They're, they're selling a product. So they're going to push that vitamin uh, that they make, whatever it might be. And if you read the advertisements or you go into a supplement store, you're going to be barraged by a thousand million different vitamins. I do think that there are some supplements that are of value. One is... Uh, vitamin D. We just don't get enough sun if you live north of Omaha. I mean, you just, you know, and, uh, and half the year we are living in an igloo and we don't get out. You know, we get, we're stuck in the igloo. So my point is 2,000 international units, and I th- I'm not exactly sure how many milligrams that is. They've switched now to, to giving milligrams. It might be 40. I'm not sure. But 2,000 international units of vitamin D will not hurt anyone and it will uh, certainly help most of us, certainly from the time of the equinoxes to the equinox, you know, the, the, uh, the fall and the winter uh, months of the year. Uh, so if, uh, if you're getting enough sun in the rest of the year and you want to drop that one, okay. The other vitamin I like is B12. Uh, vitamin B12 is a nerve active. In fact, all of the B vitamins are nerve attenuating. They help the nerves work. And if you lack vitamin B12, there's a condition called pernicious anemia. Then you'll, pernicious meaning sneaky, sneaky anemia. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you get sneaky anemia uh, and you get the workup and you find B12 deficiency, then you can you know, take away the anemia by, by the vitamin B12 supplement. But the point is, it isn't just sneaky anemia. It's neuro, neurologic disease that happens with B12 deficiency. So what is that? That's dementia. Mm -hmm. Now, how good are we at measuring B12 level? Not very good. So if I'm screening somebody for dementia, like who is that? Everybody over 60, you wanna kinda make sure that they don't lose their noodle and give them the best advantage that they can. And how do I measure that? I do a B12 level, but I'm not always accurate. It's a crappy test. What's the problem of just taking 1,000 micrograms of vitamin B12 every day as a supplement? So I tell people, you know, this is what I take. I take B12 and vitamin D. Mm-hmm. You know, vitamin D is the equivalent, really, of, of, of fish oil. 
it mm-hmm. is that supplement that helps enhance uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the absorption of calcium, and that's cod liver oil all over itself. So if you want to do cod liver oil, or if you want to do a fish oil, you know, look at whether it's something that could be mercury poisoned. So I'm be careful about fish oil, but vitamin D and B12. Okay. And if you want to go more, okay, vitamin Bs, because all of the Bs are neuroactive. You know, people who have alcohol excess get Wernicke's encephalopathy, and they lose their memory because of B1 deficiency. So B1 is, is a good thing for neuropathies, as is B12. Okay, some great information there on some important vitamins for us to make sure we're getting. Um, and we're gonna take our next break and following these words from the Avera Medical Group Brookings, Dr. Holm, and I will be happy to discuss the medical questions of interest to you. Give us a call at 692-1430. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I am Laura Ellsworth, filling in today for Joan Hogan. Today, um, Dr. Holm is here in the studio, and we're talking about some women's health issues. Um, a topic that we have some questions on today is menopause. Okay. Um, when, when is it normal for women to start experiencing some of the symptoms of menopause, and what, what are maybe some of the first symptoms women will experience? Okay, so I, I need to tell you, that the GYN questions that we are going to address, I have old world uh, memories and thoughts, uh, and these can be disputed. So it should, if you if you're wondering about it, talk to your care provider. Mm-hmm. But let's start with menopause. You know, menopause is when uh, the ovaries uh, are are done uh, emptying the the eggs into the system, the estrogen starts to wane, uh, and uh, the menstrual cycles stop. Mm-hmm. Now, the, uh, during this period of time, women be, uh, drop in their estrogen, and they have emotional changes that they feel that are different. For example, my wife used to cry at every Hallmark Hall of Fame commercial, she stopped crying at commercials, and I started crying. <laughs> I think, you know, when, when the word menopause always makes me think men. Where's the, where's the men part of it? Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, there's a men menopause as well. Mm. So when the estrogen starts to drop, emotional things change. They get uh, their heat system uh, turns around and they sweat at bed. And, and uh, Joni just sweat like crazy in bed mm-hmm. uh, at night. She had night sweats and uh, she would be cold and then she'd be hot. And it was the hot episodes that went crazy on her. And then they went away. She had headaches. She'd had some headaches in her life, some uh, some uh, migraine headaches. She had a, a, a lot of he- migraine headaches during menopause and then it all went away. Hmm. It was a good it was a good thing. Did she take any estrogen supplements at the menopause thing? We used to give people supplements all the time. No, she did not. I don't recommend it at this point. I do think that if you look at the dangers of menopause, a big danger is soft bones. Okay. And they've got pills to tell you that they, that makes a difference. Pills for soft bones do not hold a candle to an exercise program. Mm-hmm. Not one little bit 
as strong as a walking program. Walk a mile a day, your bones will be better for it. Get enough vitamin D, your bones will be better for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many of those uh, uh, those bone supplement pill, uh, those bone strengthening pills, do I have I recommended? I don't recommend them. I mean, you go out ten years and then people start having fractures, and then they don't know what to do, and they say, "Well, take a vacation." And the answer is, they don't know how long of a vacation because they haven't studied the Dagon pills long enough because they don't know what they're doing long. Uh, so, what do I think? Talk to your doctor or your care provider about it. But I'm not a fan of, of that. I'm a okay. fan of exercise. And th- if, you, if you think about the idea of what to do when you get menopause, vitamin Bs, particularly B12, vitamin D, and a walking program. Mm-hmm. And there it is. Uh, I don't. So even though you're feeling a little different, might not feeling quite up to par, it's still very important to get out and do that exercise. Uh, that'll ma- that brings the mood up better than anything we have. Mm-hmm. If you talk to the psychiatrist, they'll say an exercise program and this antidepressant. The antidepressant doesn't work nearly as well unless there's an exercise program. Mm-hmm. So I can I say that enough? Bob, have I said it today yet? <laughs> I'm okay. so confused, though. There's premenopause, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. Yeah. What do we know? We know that <laughs> there's, um, it, 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 it's, it hasn't occurred yet. It's coming. It's happening right now, and now we're done with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's and, what that's all about. And how long is that process? I, yeah, I know. You it know, Joni's experience. You know, I speak from through the eyes of my partner. Yes, right. And hers was a couple years. Mm-hmm. Not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it varies with people, and there are medicines, you know, uh, that really do help people okay. with those. Uh, the, uh, uh, some of them are in the antidepressant category, but it's not for depression. It's for the the neuroregulatory systems uh, to get them settled down. So so if you haven't been to the doctor recently and you feel like you might be starting to have some of these symptoms, is it important to get in and just kind of have a check-in with your doctor to see what you, uh, you know, could I would, do to help you through the process? Yeah, yeah. and uh, talk to uh, her or him about your, your symptoms. Make, mm-hmm. You know, and here's the other thing about menopause that I'd like to make sure people remember. Postmenopausal bleeding means get to the doctor because mm-hmm. it could be cancer. Okay. So I, I, you know, when you start having your menstrual cycles start going away and then they go away and they're gone for a year or two and then they come back or they, uh, bleeding begins again, that means you need to be seen. And if you're, oftentimes people will bleed extra heavy during this menopause time and it has to do with the physiology that I don't want to even go get into, but the, the answer is, extra heavy bleeding needs to be examined as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to ask me about how often a woman should have a pelvic exam and so on. So right, forth. yes. What are the recommendations on how often we should have our... I would recommend exams. that you watch tomorrow night for the answer to that show, <laughs> <laughs> that question. Yes. Because it's changing. Right. Uh, they, and we changing. used to do it every year starting at, you know, 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's probably overkill. Uh, I think when you're sexually active uh, with more than one partner, you should be seen every six months. Mm-hmm. And they should be testing you for HIV and for hepatitis and for all of these other things. Uh, before you have your first men- uh, uh, menstrual cycle, you should get uh, the, the cervical uh, uh, papillomavirus 
uh, vaccine. It's worth the money because that keeps you from ever having to worry or almost uh, almost ever having to worry about cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a <coughs> that's a relatively new thing, right? This We've got a vaccine that prevents cervical cancer. Right. So we have to get wow. So the important thing with that one is to get it before your you first start getting period. sexually active. Okay. Okay. So when is that? Well, they say twelve. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. how, how, how uh, well, my child will never be sexually active. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're living in a bubble. Right. You know, the right. point about it is, is uh, uh, your children will be sexually active one day sometime and it protect them. You know, get them, get them the hepatitis vaccine and the uh, human papillomavirus vaccine mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when should a woman start getting regular mammograms? You know, uh, that's debated. There's a huge controversy. Uh, one big important group has studied all the data and says 50. And uh, the GYN doctors of the world say 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you look at the data scientifically, uh, it's, it's not a perfect test. That The mammogram is somewhat sensitive and more sensitive than a breast exam, mm-hmm. but not specific, uh, particularly when you're 40 to 50. They, so they'll find abnormalities in a woman 40 to 50 because there's fibrous nodules in there that occur in that age gra- bra- bracket. Uh, and, and so they'll get all these extra biopsies that are not necessary. Mm-hmm. Although every once in a while, every, you know, very rarely, but they'll find something. So you don't know, but it depends upon your family history too, mm-hmm. and uh, so so on. <clears throat> so, I think we have to realize that you you talk to your care provider, uh, depend on that person, that person who watches after you as an individual, mm-hmm. gives you going to give you the best advice. So definitely something you can bring up, ask what the what your care provider right. recommends for you based on your family history you, you, and all of that. You should start somewhere between forty and fifty. <laughs> okay. Yep. Somewhere Certainly after 50, you should be doing them every year. And I think that there's where I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, unless there's a strong family history and then I'd do it earlier. And some say don't even do breast exams or self breast exams in, anymore. I can, I've, I've had patients come in with having discovered breast cancer. I've discovered breast cancer myself on, on breast exams. Mm-hmm. I think that particular data is what is called, um, BS. <laughs> uh, I think you, you, we need to be attentive, and I think self-breast exam and, and a periodic exam, of, I don't know, every third year or something mm-hmm. is an appropriate thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we need to take a break, um, our final break. So if you have any other questions, you want to give us a call at 692-1430. <laughs> Welcome back to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I am Laura Ellsworth, filling in for Joan Hogan, and Dr. Rick Holm is here in the studio with us, and we've been talking about a variety of women's health issues. And we have a question from a caller um, asking, she's a 68-year-old woman, any advice to prevent gas and bloating when eating beans? Well, you know, here's my philosophy. Um, uh, There's good studies to show and I know this may be surprising to many people in the audience, but girls pass the same amount of gas as guys. Bob, I know you are shocked. <laughs> I was too to read that. They, but they just don't um, enjoy 
making it uh, noisy like <laughs> guys do. There, there's the difference. More discreet. Pull my huh? finger. Pull my finger. <laughs> so uh, uh, the question is, what makes gas? And uh, the answer has to do, I can tell you, if you have a Whipple procedure and they cut your stomach short and you've got pancreatic cancer history and so on and so forth, that makes particularly a bad sort of gas and it also makes it stinky. Mm. Okay, so mm. thank you, Joni, for understanding. Yes. But, um, and the truth is we all do this, uh, but we do have more gas when we, are you ready for this, eat correctly. We have more gas produced when we eat uh, root vegetables, carrots, uh, uh, rutabagas, uh, parsnips, uh, and and pr probably potatoes, but the, the f earlier is more important. So vegetables from the garden are real uh, heavy uh, gas producers. Milk, in particular, in certain people, are, are, are gas producers. Beans and, and fiber, you know, if you take fiber supplement, if you're taking, if you're eating beans, which are really good for you, I mean, one of the greatest foods that there is, you will have gas. In other words, if you are passing a lot of gas, then you must be eating correctly. And I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, and if it's, uh, it's not particularly uh, uh, of, of uh, the uh, best uh, smelling nature, uh, just try to go to a place that you have privacy and do it there. Uh, my only comment is uh, there is a uh, an article called Beano, which can break down the fiber in the beans so that it doesn't cause as much bean smell and odor and gas. My dad used to put vinegar uh, in in our chili, and he would say it takes away the snap, crackle, pop. Uh, but... Uh, I think the, the answer is there is some concern about Beano making foods more absorbed than they should be. Mm. And so I would, I would just say, uh, nope, eat plenty of beans uh, and uh, find a private spot and let the gas out and, and uh, it's okay. Yeah, very good. All right. It, thank was you. Was that, for that an answer that you were expecting, Laura? Yeah, that that sounds good. It's okay. <laughs> okay. It's all right. <laughs> we, Signs of health. We are all human beings. Yes. Beans. There you go. Oops. There you Bad go. Job. Perfect. Well, we're about to wrap up our time today, so I just want to remind everyone that tomorrow, um, Thursday, February 28th, we'll have a live show at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. We hope you can tune in uh, with Dr. Holm, and his guest will be Dr. Hopper and Dr. Bennis talking about maternal and feminine health issues. Um, so that'll be a great show, so please tune in. And if you um, aren't in the area, you can follow the show um, online as well. Um, well, thank you for the information today, Dr. Holm. We hope um, you all enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can see and hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, Bob. And stay healthy out there, people.